0: Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. So how is your week going? This is kind of a crazy week, isn't it, with all that's going on in the United States. And as I'm recording this right now, the election is still undecided. I see both sides uh, proclaiming (laughs) that they've won. And I see a lot of people that I really, really like um, on Twitter that are really struggling right now trying to figure out uh, what the future of the nation of the United States is. So I, I, I really feel for you. I know a lot of you are having a very stressful week uh, right now. My hope is that I can take you away from your stress a little bit and um, get you as excited about what Google is doing as I am. Uh, Google announced some things. They, it, they didn't even announce this week. They just They put out a video on how search works that sort of went under the radar. Uh, Nobody really saw it, and then John Mueller tweeted about it uh, just this week, saying, hey, did you guys notice a couple weeks ago we put out this amazing video? Uh, And it really is amazing. I watched this video yesterday and uh, made many many notes on it and so I'm going to share with you some of my thoughts on the future of search and what we can learn from uh, this video it's very very exciting Uh, if you are in local SEO you probably do not want to enter or edit your Google my business profile right now so when we get to the local SEO section I'm going to talk to you about that there's some really weird things going on there Um, and in the Q&A section I have something really interesting this time it's a legal site that we're going to look at. I'll share the name with you when we get down to that uh, part of the podcast. It's a legal site that was hit very hard by the May 4th update. I haven't done a full review by any means of this site, but I did look at some of the queries that were hit, and it's really obvious, at least it seems obvious to me, uh, why they were hit. And I think that um, any of you who are listening to this and have uh, either your own website that was affected by the May 4th update or are dealing with uh, clients, Who were affected, you're going to find this really interesting. I think this is going to be a really, really good episode of podcast. Uh, So let's get right into it. Um, First of all, I want to say how excited I am that we have a brand new website at mariehaines.com. If you've known me for a period of time, you probably know that uh, I created this website. I mean, initially, before we have this new website, I created my own website, sort of like a blog. Uh, And I got a a theme off of ThemeForest. This is many years ago. Um, And created this website, which was, you know, it wasn't bad but it also wasn't great. So when I created my website, it wasn't the best of its kind. It was the best I could do at the time, but I'm not a developer. I have a few skills here and there. Um, And for years we've been kind of cobbling together these little pieces of our website. We're not the best example to look at, or at least we weren't. Uh, Now we've still got some work to do on our new website, but I think you're really going to like it. Uh, If you go to MarieHaines.com you can see, I think it's a really clean design. It's much faster than our previous website. I see uh, just some quick tests. We've got some really good PageSpeed Insight scores for desktop. It looks like we have to do a little bit of work on mobile, but uh, but we're we're getting there. Uh, and I really am so thrilled. We uh, worked with KickPoint. This is Dana DiTomaso's company. Um, first of all, to just uh, get some branding for us. And we released that last year. We've been working on this for quite a long time. A new logo. Um, and, uh, you know, we sort of nailed down our, our brand colors and, and uh, other things like that. I've also been working with um, uh, somebody who's been a bit of a business coach for me, just sort of nailing down what is our, um, what do we want to promise to clients? What is our mission statement at MHC? You know, we've been really trying to form this business. I won't bore you with all those details, although I know some of you are interested in that. Um, and so I, you know, I will share just a little bit. If you are trying to go out on your own or do some freelancing, or you have this dream of, you know, maybe starting a company, I would say go for it. it like, It's... It's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of stress, (laughs) and you need to know um, what's important and what's not worth stressing about uh, as a a business owner. Um, And so we've been sort of just slowly chipping away at, like, let's create a more professional uh, website, uh, let's get a team together, let's start uh, or let's continue figuring out what it is that Google really likes to reward. And our main focus, we've decided our mission really is in figuring out what is it that Google likes, and translating that into how can we make improvements for our clients. Uh, and so I really like on our website, one of the best parts is the case studies. Um, right now, we just have two up there. There's a link auditing case study, which is really fantastic, and also a site uh, quality review uh, for a site that did amazingly well after um, having an MHC review. And uh, I would encourage you to take a look at it. I um, I have to give a shout out to, uh, I mean, my entire team has worked really hard on this, uh, but Alec Brownscomb has been my lead on this, and he's worked so, so hard. Uh, so thank you for my team uh, for getting this website out. I really hope you like it, and I know a few of you have been pointing out uh, some things. We need to work on meta descriptions and uh, a couple of other things. We'll be working on that over the uh, the weeks and months to come. Um, but I'd love to hear what you think. I, I, I think it looks way more professional, and I think uh, those of you who have been looking to... Uh, to us for advice on how to improve your website we've been very much the cobbler's kids you know what i realize that my staff are also young i say young like under 30 uh, and some of them don't know that phrase the cobbler's kids it basically means the cobbler is the the person who fixes the shoes in the neighborhood back in old times right and uh, the cobbler's kids would always have, always have the worst shoes because uh, the cobbler was always busy working on other people's shoes. Uh, so now I feel like we finally got some decent shoes. Um, so I would love if you could take a look at the website. And uh, we have a new, uh, new article, I'll be talking about that, out on uh, intent and, and the future of Google uh, algorithm changes. Uh, so if you want to check that out, it would be a perfect time to check out our new website as well. Um, let's talk about, I mean, we always start this podcast episode with what updates Google has done, and it does look like something happened around October 26th to 28th of 2020. Uh, Barry Schwartz on Search Engine Roundtable had a good article, as he always does, whenever there's sort of a blip that looks like something, um, out of the ordinary is happening, uh he'll you know talk about oh these forums are talking about changes and the the weather tools are seeing changes and it does look like he he said October 28th uh was probably the time um And uh, I see that a lot of our clients that were affected, October 26th seems to be when it started. This is not uncommon. Often I find like Google makes a change and we can see it amongst the analytics because we look at hundreds of uh, websites and we manually do that still. You know, I have staff now that uh, that's part of their, their job that they just... Uh, look at uh, websites every single week, Um, you know, we go through our entire list of clients and figure out, was there a particular date on which we saw movement that's beyond what we normally see? Uh, And we did see quite a few clients with October 26th seemed to be the time uh, going up to October 28th. And sadly, a lot of our clients are seeing declines. And I think the reason for this is that I think it's possible that these changes that we're seeing are connected to world events as opposed to a Google update, although it's possible it's a little bit of both. Um, as you know, the US is going through a very significant election right now. Uh, and the fact that it's so close, my goodness, there's you know there's a lot of things going on in the world. And I know myself, uh, last night, you know, we were glued to the television watching election news, and normally I would be on my phone, you know, reading about Google stuff and probably a little bit of Fortnite as well. Um, and so that changed my online habits. And I think that if you've seen a traffic drop in the end of October, uh, coming into this week. So as I record this, it's November fourth. Oh, also this is episode number one fifty-seven. I didn't start off with that. Um, if you are uh, look, so if if you're looking for it online, mariehaines.com newsletter, episode 157, you'll find it. Um, so if you're seeing changes, if you saw a decline, there's a very good chance that just fewer people were online at this time. And if they were online, they were looking at uh, political websites. Um, if you're not a political website, maybe it's possible that you saw a decline over the last few days. It's also possible that this decline is uh, due to Google changing their algorithms. I've mentioned this in a few episodes that, in Google's guide on how they fight disinformation, they say that in times of crisis, they can change the algorithm to greatly prefer authority over other factors. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, because they they said more about that in the video that I watched yesterday. Um, And so, you know, is this a time of crisis? Yes. (laughs) I mean, we've been dealing with coronavirus, and the world is just divided over this, and and so many people are sick and dying and having problems. Uh, This is a time of Crisis, and I think when you combine what's going on in the United States, the 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 amount of um, I keep saying stress, but just unrest, just a, a lot of things going on in the states. It wouldn't surprise me if Google decided to turn up the dial on in terms of authority. Something I'll say, uh, we've written in our newsletter, if you are a premium member of Search News, you can use. You can read my thoughts on which types of sites were affected. Um, I'm not going to go into great detail on that in the podcast episode because there's a lot of uncertainty right now. We're sort of developing some early theories, but they're super early and I don't really want to get them out there public uh, at this point. But again, if you are a paid member of Search News, you can use, you can find that in episode number 157. Um, I've talked Talked about which types of sites uh, we felt were affected. We're going to keep a, a closer eye on what happened at the end of October uh, in the weeks to come, just to see if Google has made some changes to their algorithm. Uh, but really, I think it's very unlikely to be something uh, that we can all take action on at this point. So let's talk about this video that Google put out: how search works. Uh, and I believe it was it was released a couple of weeks ago, and somehow it, it flew under the radar. Uh, you know, I think maybe I saw it and I was like oh this is just another sort of fluffy uh, like oh you know this is how a search engine works but honestly it talked about what Google was doing that was amazing I, my mind is blown by the the creativity at Google and what they're trying to do um, I really liked when, the so they started off the video talking about spam fighting and how spam is such a big problem for Google and it's been a problem and it will always be a problem they said how, you know, they'll change something in the algorithm and then the spammers will figure out how to get past that and then they, it, it's continually a game of whack-a-mole that uh, Google engineers are trying to figure out, alright, how do we make it so that this spam tactic doesn't work anymore and i would imagine that they have to prioritize you know maybe some people are getting away with ranking with this weird type of pbn or something uh but maybe it's only a small handful of sites and that's a smaller problem to work on than than other issues uh, but google has done a lot of things to try to fight spam over the years i thought it was really interesting that they said that they how they fight spam is a guarded secret that's almost as well guarded as the secret recipe for Coke. (laughs) Now, I feel like that's kind of like a dated thing too. Do you guys remember, do any of you remember the days where I remember going to a fair um, and there was like this big, tall sign that said, come do a taste test. And we did the Coke versus Pepsi taste test. And uh, and I always chose Coke uh, over Pepsi. We, I, you know, you don't see that anymore. I don't know if they're doing that type of thing. But the recipe of Coke level guarded secret is what they said in the, in the interview is what uh, Google spam fighting techniques are. Um, but the one thing that they did share in the video, Kathy Edwards uh, said from Google said, And she's the head of user trust at google i want to do more research into kathy edwards i feel like um, you know if she's responsible for user trust she's probably got some interesting things that uh that i that we could learn from um she said that if a site's not getting links organically it quote dilutes the value of that signal Uh, And this is in line with what we've seen John Mueller say, and we've talked about a patent that Google has as well that talks about this, that if a certain resource has loads of links that Google's algorithms are kind of suspicious about, they may decide to just stop counting links towards that page, towards that website. Now, some of that is my interpretation of uh, what it says in the patent and what John Mueller has said, Uh, but we really believe that in some cases, if you have been overtly spamming, and spamming is kind of a weird word, right? Because spamming could mean like, oh, I fired up this tool and I produced 5,000 comment blog links, that could be spamming, but spamming could also be very high level. It, it could be paid links that look very much like natural links. We've seen all sorts of, uh, of schemes that look like that. Um, and so, uh, you know, if Google's not sure if they see that you have a lot of unnatural links or links that they think are unnatural, they may just start going, you know what? I think we can't trust this website. Um, and so we have been seeing some improvements in websites after disavowing. Uh, and it is, you know, this is generally for websites. Now, if you're sitting there going like, Ooh, I looked at my backlink profile and I have all these spammy links from like image scrapers and uh, the globe.net and sites like that, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking to people who have hired an SEO company to, on a very large scale, create links that truly aren't natural mentions. And if that is you, then I do feel like you can see some improvement from a very thorough disavow. However, it's very challenging these days to know what to disavow. So if you're interested in that, we've seen a real uptick lately in people reaching out for link audits. Um, so if you are interested in a link audit, then you can reach out to us. Uh, I think we're soon going to start having a waiting list for link audits, but we'll uh, we'll see. Um, the next part of the video was how they talked about the quality raters. There wasn't a lot here that was new to me, but the way that they described it was perfect uh so here's the quote and i tweeted about this because i was like woohoo i feel validated um they said want your website to show up higher in search read the guidelines seriously They are available online, and the more people that read them, the better the web could be for everybody. If you are listening to this podcast and you have not read the Quality Raiders guidelines, stop listening to the podcast. Go find them. They're online. The most recent version was just published in the, uh, when was it? No, December was last year, in October. Um, And you might think it's just policy and stuff, but I would say like 70 to 80% of what's written in those 160-plus uh, pages is really good advice, really good examples. Google says, look, if you look at this website, it's a good website, but it doesn't meet the needs of the searcher, so we would like to see this. Like, there is so much in there. And if you haven't read the Quality Raters Guidelines, you absolutely need to do them. Um, this is not a, a surprise to most of you, but I wanted to reiterate what Ben Gomes, the, uh, the VP of Search at Google said uh, years ago to CNBC about the quality raters guidelines. They are not exactly Google's algorithms, but what he said was the Quality Rater's Guidelines show you what Google wants to accomplish in search, and so we took a lot of heat back in 2018 when we started talking about reputation and the Quality Rater's Guidelines had new stuff added to it to say how important it was to research the reputation of the company that uh, the Quality Rater was uh, assigned to uh, to look at their website, and um, you know. And people said, well, how would Google create an algorithm to look at site reputation? Because anybody could spam that. You know, I could go to my competitor and, and give them a whole bunch of fake reviews and say that they're awful. And could that tank them? And we've seen that Google has made changes in their algorithms um, that are connected to what we've seen in the quality raters guidelines. And as I've been saying for you know the last couple of weeks, ever since we got the newly updated quality raters guidelines, the new changes that they made are mostly about understanding whether a searcher's needs have been met. I'm going to talk about that at the end of this episode when I do uh, the Q&A section. Um, because I think the site that dropped, uh, Google's algorithms couldn't figure out out that they're actually meeting searchers needs and I actually think that there's ways that very easily they could change their content so that it does meet searchers needs so when people tell you that you can't optimize for these new Google changes I, I think they're wrong I think you can't take a horrible website and like structure it better and and do some of the changes that we recommend um, to make a horrible website actually rank well but there are a lot of good websites with good content that could be improved so that Google thinks that they're better uh, or Google, that's not the right word, that Google recognizes that they're the better option. So if you truly have a really, really good website and you're not just trying to like rank based on, oh, I bought a lot of links or I have a great guest posting uh, routine that I do, you know, if you truly, truly have a website that has the best information and you have EAT you're qualified to talk about this information, then there are things that you can do to, to structure your content, um, to make it so that Google is better able to see, uh, you know, when somebody searches for this, you are actually the best example. Um, and we're gonna have more on that coming out in the months to come. There's there's so much that just happened over the last couple of weeks. I'm, I'm actually kind of exhausted trying to come up with plans for how we can uh, take advantage of all this new information that we have from Google. I really liked the section in the video that talked about returning trustworthy results. Um, they talked about uh, the, the, uh, when the printing press was first invented. People at the time were really worried about it because they said, look, when I get trustworthy information, at that time when the printing press was first created... People, when you got your information, you'd get it from somebody you trust. You know, it would maybe be a leader in your community or somebody that you trust to provide you with that information. And then when information became printable, I mean, if if you had a manuscript that was handwritten by a, a leader in your city or, you know, wherever you are all right, you could say this is from this particular leader, and I trust this person, and whatever they say, you know, I'm I'm on board with their leadership. Um, but then, as the printing press came out, it became available to more people, and you could read things. You like, oh, well, this is written by so and so from some other county. That you know, I don't know this person, but uh, other people say that he or she is um, authoritative, and so I'm going to trust what I read in this document. But you also don't know, I mean, when the first printing presses came out, they had to be manually lined up, right? Like they had to put in every single letter and and what if a mistake had been made? There were a lot of people were concerned that once we started taking information from the true experts and writing it down, that it would get diluted. And this is the same problem that we have today. So what they said in the video is that there's tons of information that exists, but it's not actually true or it's maybe dangerous. And Google search is an index of what exists. So the example that they gave was really fascinating. They said that when people, it used to be, do you remember this controversy that came up where if you searched for did the Holocaust happen, pretty much every Google result would tell you no. It didn't happen. It was a hoax. You know, like these horrible things that we know are not true. So why did that happen? And what they said in the video was that the old way of looking at search would look at keywords on a page and determine relevancy. And if you were writing an article, if you thoroughly believe that the Holocaust did not happen, and you're writing an article to try to prove that, your article is going to have a lot of text that talks about this did not happen. Somebody who's authoritative, who's writing about issues that did happen during the Holocaust, they don't need to have paragraphs in their article to explain that this did happen. It's just generally understood that it was a horrible time in history and that you know, the Holocaust did exist. And so... Um, When people do searches for this, Google's old algorithms would say, well, look, these websites are talking about whether or not the Holocaust happened, and the only ones that were talking about that were ones that were trying to disprove it. Um, And so what they did was they realized that their relevance signals were overriding their quality signals. Because the websites that were talking about it being a hoax, that it didn't exist, they're not really authoritative websites that, uh, that, that people would trust. But they were more relevant because they had certain words on the page. And so what they did was they talked about authoritative next. Next, and they, Here's a quote. By authoritative, we mean, and this is Google, we mean, it comes from trustworthy sources, that the sources themselves are reputable, that they are upfront about who they are, and when they were doing this, they were, they were looking at, uh, the video was showing the Mayo Clinic, an article from the Mayo Clinic. And they, when they said they're upfront about who they are, they highlighted the Mayo Clinic logo. So there's a little hint. It's in the quality raters guidelines that says, is it clearly obvious who is responsible for the content of this website? Um, In the case of the Mayo Clinic, I didn't have to say the Mayo Clinic is a well-recognized authority in medicine. You already know that. If you're working with a brand that maybe people don't know that you are the best of your kind, that you are like recognized as a leader in your industry... And you need to be sharing uh, information to help people understand that, right? And we've talked about that so many times over the last few years. Um, they went on to say where the information has come from. And in the video, they highlighted the author's name on this Mayo Clinic article. And also, and that they, they themselves are citing sources. Very, very important that if you are writing on any YMYL topic... You need to be citing references. And, and there's all this controversy over how do you do that. Do you link from, uh, do you have a reference section at the end of your article? Do you link out with followed links, no followed links? Uh, again, we've talked about that in great, great detail in the past. Um, we have a webinar. If you want more details on this, our EAT webinar, I believe it was part three, talks about, it could be part two, um, talks about citing sources and, and having uh, expert um uh, authors as well. So I would encourage you to, uh, to look at that. Um, so, you know, we've been <laughs> preaching for a lot of time on the importance of citing references, especially for YMYL medical and financial information. So this was interesting to see this highlighted in the video. Um, the other quote that I took from this video is where they said, the change we have made in the case of misinformation is to change the ranking function to emphasize authority a lot more. And this has made all the difference. So we saw this. I really think that um, uh, February 7th, 2017, we started to see a little bit of emphasis on authority and expertise. And then uh, the August 1st medic update, that was, uh, I know it wasn't specifically targeted for medical sites, uh, but it made it so that more authoritative medical sites were tending to rank more. And even with the most recent uh, core update, the May update, we saw a, a big push to websites that have high authority. Uh, are going to rank when it comes to YMYL queries. And although it wasn't a core update, we had in June of this year, what we called the government update, uh, where Google seemed to put more emphasis on ranking official sites like, um, you know, .gov sites like the FDA.gov when it comes to medical queries. Uh, So Google has been making changes over the years in regards to, uh, you know, which websites they rank. And I think, The fact that in this video they just come right out and say we're emphasizing authority a lot more that answers some questions that we had the most exciting part of this whole video was where they talked about deep rank Uh, so deep rank is a code term, uh, the name that Google used to name a project internally. Um, I think it's probably similar to when, you know, they made this web spam fighting algorithm and they called it penguin. Uh, I think deep rank is probably a more appropriate name for an algorithm update than penguin. I I still would love to know the story of penguin. Uh, Panda was named after Nandu, uh, is it Nandu Panda? Um, who was one of the creators of the patents that talked about uh, um, uh, creating this algorithm, right? Penguin, I don't know where that name came from, Uh, but deep rank makes sense. So what they said in the video is that deep rank is a combination of deep learning used by BERT and also ranking. And Barry Schwartz had an article out just today that talks about uh, the fact that DeepRank was basically the code name that uh, Google used when BERT went live in Google search. Um, In this video, you know, people are trying to piece when it was created and when did it go live uh, because in the video, they talk about in-person meetings. And at Google now, they're working remotely because of the virus. Um, And so we know that this happened before March of this year. Uh, It actually turns out that it was October last year Uh, that they first started apparently going live with these changes. So we're going to look into that. I remember we have a number of dates in October flagged as potentially link updates. And then we had the November 8th update. It wouldn't surprise me if November 8th, I'm just thinking this now as I'm, as I'm recording this video, that's what I'm going to look into. I, you know, November 8th was, was so much. We said it, Sites that had a lot of links, especially in roundups, uh, seemed to not do well. And our theory, initially we were like, all right, we need to disavow those links. And then we were like, you know what? I think Google just got better at figuring out that those links aren't true mentions uh, of your content or true recommendations of your content. Um, And I think that could be connected to this deep rank thing uh, that Google just got better at figuring out where to count links, when links are truly saying, look, this is, we're an authoritative website that recommends this other authoritative website. And in a lot of cases, if you got links from Roundup posts, it was just basically everybody patting each other's back and not a true recommendation. Um, so I don't think we've seen a recovery from a November 8th drop in, uh, that came from disavowing. Um, I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more, but a lot of interesting stuff. And now can you see why I have a little bit of a headache? Because Gosh, there's so much to figure out with Google. And, you know, our goal is not to figure out exactly how they do it, but to say, look, websites that have these sort of attributes, they seem to be doing well. And there are things you can do to, to, to have more of those attributes, even if you aren't the highest authority um, in your, your area. As long as there's some aspect of legitimacy and there's no uh, lack of trust, then you know, most of the clients that we've uh, recommended improvements for do see some improvements. So that's that's exciting to see that. Um, I was going to talk more about passages and how it relates more to ranking than indexing. I did talk about that last week and I believe the week before as well. If you were a premium member of our newsletter, that's in uh, episode number 157. We had some new information from John Mueller uh, that just sort of clarifies things a bit more. I'm going to move on a bit um, just for the sake of, of brevity in the the podcast here. Those of you who are on WordPress uh, websites, there was a recent update that apparently did not go well. I don't know a lot of the details on this, but the recent update update 5.5.2. It was a security update that was aimed at delivering solutions to cross-site scripting. And instead, somehow it malfunctioned and caused a whole bunch of installations to fail. So um, if you're struggling with your WordPress site and you recently updated, you may need to do another update. So the 5.5.3 update uh, is the appropriate one to update to. So I thought that was worth mentioning because uh, I think it, it sounds like it broke a lot of different websites. So keep that in mind if you're dealing with a website that is having some issues. Um, In terms of local SEO, the Bright Local Rank Flux tool is not showing any obvious algorithm updates. With that said, though, there's some interesting um, information that's coming out of the local search forum. And uh, again, if you do local SEO, you really should be paying attention to this forum because uh, they're on the front lines and they see the types of issues that are causing problems for local businesses. Um, There's a theory right now that uh, apparently a lot of websites are getting suspended after they're edited. And the recommendation that's coming out of Sterling Sky and out of the local search forum is to hold off on making any significant edits to Google My Business until we figure out what's going on. So I looked at this, we've linked in newsletter to the post that Joy Hawkins wrote, I believe it was Joy who wrote it, it's on the Sterling Sky website, Um, just talking about what suspensions, suspensions have been happening. And... Here's one, of the, uh, here's one of the responses. I updated a category in our GMB. I added the water softening category. And less than a minute later, our GMB got suspended. That's scary. That's really scary. You just like if that's the case, just adding a category can get you suspended. Now I haven't looked at this um, this particular GMB listing. Maybe it's possible that updating a category triggers some sort of another review, um, and maybe that website had other uh, you know maybe they've been keyword stuffing or, or something else. Um, let's see here. In the thread, Joy mentions Google My Business suspensions are on the rise due to all the fake listings being generated currently. She also mentions she's noticed listings uh which get suspended when several fields are updated at once. So, I I really think I would not uh update your Google My Business right now unless you really have to for some reason. Here's another uh this was a comment on uh that thread or on that post. All three of my legit locations were suspended. This was almost three weeks ago. Years at all three locations. These aren't spam locations. Over 1,500 real reviews at our primary office location, photos posted from each location, and all they received back from Google is, quote, your business is not eligible for GMB. Uh, I, I, again, I don't know the details, but here's somebody else who said, my listing got suspended because I added a user to manage my GMB listing. It's been more than two weeks, but my business listing has not been restored yet. Again, I don't know if maybe, uh, these websites never were, if these businesses never were eligible for GMB, but, uh, there's something going on. So, um, I thought I would pass that along. I think if you're, if you're about to make some edits to GMB, maybe just hold off for a little bit now. Uh let's talk about this very interesting case of a website that was affected with the May 4th update of last year uh of 2020 I guess it seems like last year 2020's just been so long uh David and I my husband have a new saying now it just doesn't make sense everything in 2020 doesn't make sense there's so much stuff that just does not make sense um and hopefully We'll get out of this soon, but let's talk about this, this uh, Q&A. Um, so the site is minklaw.com, M-I-N-C-L-A-W, L-A-W.com. And I did not do a full review of this site, but the somebody reached out and asked me to review it, and yes, they have given me permission to share the site. If you want me to take a quick look at your site, you can, don't reach out to me directly. The best way to do it is in the newsletter episode. To um, uh, submit, in, we have a form, a Google form that you can submit, or you can tweet it at the MHC Inc. Twitter account. Uh, if you tweet it at me, uh, I guess I've gotten to the point now with Twitter followers. I think I have about 28,000 Twitter followers. And what happens is often the at replies, uh, I don't get them. Twitter has an algorithm to try to figure out which at replies I'd like to see. Um, and uh, if I try to it's kind of like going through your spam filter to find the rest. You know, I could look to find the rest, but uh, it, it takes a lot of time. So if you want me to take a quick look at your site, just reach out via the form or via uh, uh, tweeting at the MHC Inc. Twitter account, and Summer, who manages that, will get it uh, to my attention. So Mink Law saw a very big drop on May 4th. Now, what I did was I, I, I was in hrefs at the time, so I opened up Hrefs and looked at uh, the traffic, organic traffic estimates, and according to Ahrefs, there was a very, very large drop for this site on May 4th of 2020. Um, and so one of the things that I did, I did not look into the EAT for this site. I'm, I, I feel like I'm familiar with this site. I don't know if it's come up in competitor reviews that we've done, or maybe we have reviewed it at some point. But um, it's a good sign when you have a site where you go, ah, yes, that's the site that does this. And I had it in my head that yes, this site does something with defamation law. Um, And so, if you, that could be a goal for all of you who are listening. You know, if you're working with a brand. Um, you want to make it known so that people go, oh, yeah, 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 when people talk about MHC, that's, you know, they know a lot about Google and site quality. You want people to, that that's a part of your EAT, to be recognized as an expert in your industry. Um, and so, you know, I didn't go into great detail. And again, I'll say this in every episode when we review a website, uh, our normal site reviews take us a good two to three weeks, uh, sometimes longer to complete. Uh, and so in the time that I spent looking at this, I, I didn't look in great detail at EAT. In order to rank these days, I really feel like there's two, two components that need to be met. And one is EAT. I, I, I'm probably simplifying things greatly to say, oh, you need to have EAT because there's so many elements of EAT that are necessary. And I think some are more necessary for medical sites and, you know, some are more necessary for legal sites. Uh, but I feel like mink law, uh, probably if we looked into it, you're doing a decent job in terms of EAT. The second thing, though, that's necessary to rank is relevancy. And I feel like a lot of the drops that this site saw um, can be explained by something that Danny Sullivan said at some point when people were talking about core updates. He said, sometimes there's nothing you can do when there's a core update. Now, don't get discouraged. I do think there's things you can do here, but I think that your drops that you saw are not necessarily because you're low quality, but rather because Google can't figure out that you're relevant. And I think there's things you can do to help Google figure out that you're relevant and you'll see improvements. So one of the things I did was look on Ahrefs. Uh, one of the cool features with Ahrefs is that you can, and and this is on uh, SEMrush as well. Um, I think both tools do this really, really well. And I just happen to have Ahrefs open uh, looking at some other client work. So. Um, I looked at May 4th and May 5th as well, the day of and the day after the update, to see which queries you uh, actually dropped for. And it looks like a lot of your queries you improved for, but a good number of queries you saw significant drops. Now, one of the queries that you saw drops for uh, was for the, the query revenge porn sites. I'm not going to go into details here for obvious reasons, but you used to rank um, in the middle of page one. And now I see, I don't know what the current rankings are, but I see that after the May update, you dropped to page four. For this term and when you think about it so uh, i would imagine that the pages that are on mink law for this particular search are talking about how you can sue if you have been involved in one of these schemes um, and so the thing is though i think that the vast majority of people who are doing this search for this type of site they're not looking to sue they're just curious or you know whatever reasons i'm not going to go into the reasoning of people who do these types of searches i think you know what what i mean um and so you weren't that relevant And it might seem to you that you are, because there are probably a lot of people who do that search who are like, look, I've been listed on one of these sites, or I've um, been affected by this, and I want to sue somebody for it, and they want a lawyer. Uh, and, And there are a subset of people who want that. But I would imagine that Google figured out that the vast majority of people who do that search are not looking for a legal website when they do that search. Now, the question would be, well, why did you rank for that before? And I think that this is actually a perfect example of Google using BERT um, to prioritize, maybe not prioritize is the right word, to understand relevancy over EAT signals in some situations. I know that seems contrary to what I just said, but hear me out here. I think that in the past, Google could look at this and say, look, when people type revenge porn sites, we have all these different options we can show them. And a lot of them are not the greatest, (laughs) you know, and they don't want to be showing people adult websites unless they're absolutely sure that that's what uh, somebody searched for. And so a website that has good EAT, like Make Law, I'm assuming has good EAT, is probably going to rank really well in the past because Google would say, look, there's a lot of things we can't trust on all these other websites. But we can trust this website and even though it's not like a perfect match, we can still rank it because some people are looking for this. And then as Google got better at understanding the intent behind a query, I think they figure out that most people who are doing this search don't want a legal site. Um, I also saw that you lost rankings for similar things. Uh, PissedConsumer.com, the actual domain name, you were ranking on the first page for that and now you're not. Again, people who do that search well, there might be some people who want to figure out how can I sue if I've been mentioned on this website. Um, most people who are searching for this either want that website itself or they want, you know, like it's not you <laughs> that they want to see. Um, and even though you have good information on it, it's not relevant to most people. And that's the type of thing, you know, I don't think you can regain rankings for pissedconsumer.com or I see you used to rank for stdregistry.com. You're probably not going to regain those. But here's an interesting query that I looked at. I saw that on May 4th, you saw a drop for the query, can I sue for slander on Facebook? So let's say I'm a searcher and I type in, can I sue for slander on Facebook? This sounds like somebody has said something bad about me on Facebook and I wanna sue them, right? That's that's my understanding, I'm not a lawyer, but I think that uh, if I did that search, I would be looking for, I just got something bad said about me and I wanna know if I can sue this person uh, because they said something bad on Facebook. You were number six for that query before, um, like in April, and then according to Ahrefs, after the May 4th update, you dropped just two positions to number eight, and now I see that you're well off page one for this term. So what I did next was I looked at who actually improved for this term. Because if Google has a new algorithm that's figured out, look, when people search for, can I sue for slander on Facebook, and they've decided that Mink Law is not a good, um, a good or the most relevant answer for this query, then who did they think was relevant? And you can learn a lot when you look at who is relevant, although it's hard sometimes to see it from the inside when you're looking at your own websites. So, um, you know, again, in order to rank, you need uh, EAT, which you've got, but you also need to meet the needs of the searcher. So I did a search for this query, Can I Sue for Slander on Facebook? And the first site I saw was uh, hg.org. Again, I think EAT is probably not an issue for them. So the question I had was, do they meet the needs of a searcher? Now, I wanna say, if I read your article, it's a fantastic article. It's very thorough and I read probably 70% of it and really learned a lot from it. But most people are not me. And most people do not look at an article and go, oh, I would like to read this whole thing. Think of your own search pattern. You, you do a search, Google presents you with a list. You skim the list and you say, yeah, I think this one has my answer. You click on that website, and then you start skimming the website, or maybe you read the first few paragraphs, and you go, yes, this is what I need. Here's my answer. Um, this site, uh, hg.org, initially, when I, so when I clicked on that, uh, Google actually did the highlighted text thing where they said, look, uh, you know, here's your answer. <laughs> it's in the middle of the first paragraph or something like that. That's a really good sign, and I think that's connected to this passage-based ranking, that Google was able to take that website and say, ah, this, this passage on this page meets the needs of the searcher who asked for can I sue for slander on Facebook. I'm not going to read the passage out, but you'll see it if you do that, uh, that search. Now, uh, the next site that ranked was also hg.org. They have one, par- one, uh, one article on whether you can sue somebody uh, after they've slandered you on Facebook, and you have- they have another article on whether you can be sued uh, for putting something on Facebook. And both of those kind of have answers to my question. I feel like they answer it more than Mink Law. Now, the Mink Law post that used to rank for this If you look at the H tags on this post, uh, the first one is how to report slander and libel to Facebook. Now, this is different than how can I sue. So if I was a searcher who was looking for can I sue because I've been slandered on Facebook, I don't want to know how to report it. I want to know can I go after the people themselves. Now, if I read through your article, I think it actually talks about how to do that. Uh, And you may be saying, uh, I feel like this is an issue where you actually can't. Sue somebody like you actually have to know all the details of what is defamation and what, like all the things you've described, but here's how I would, I would go about attacking this. I would actually make an H tag on this uh, page that says, can I sue Uh, assuming now you need to do some keyword research here and see, is this a keyword that people actually come for? Uh, you know, maybe it's just something that Ahrefs reported maybe nobody actually types that query, but assuming that this is a keyword that, yeah, you, you go into search console and you're like, oh yeah, like tons of people search for this. Um, then, then you need to make it so that somebody who's skimming your article can find it quickly. And an H tag would do that. Can I sue if I have been, uh, um, you know, slandered on Facebook? And even if the answer is, well, no, it doesn't really work that way, you need to write the first line under that heading in a way that Google would be pleased to use that as a featured snippet. So it might be something like, if you have been slandered on Facebook you may be able to sue if blah, 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 or you can't really sue, but here's the other things that you need to know. There's a way that you can rewrite that. And I think that's the future of SEO is figuring out what actually is the intent. And if a user uh, is faced with seeing my page, will they feel like their needs have been met? Um, so I don't know if that, hopefully that helps you out. I mean, there's loads more. And if you're interested in more, I really, this is a good site that I feel like we could help. Um, you can reach out to help at mariehaines.com if you want to have a more thorough review. And again, those of you, if you'd like to have me review your website, it cannot be anonymous. I have to be able to mention the site. Otherwise it's kind of a waste of time for the podcast listeners. Uh, but you can reach out again through the methods I mentioned uh, before. Um, you know, I'm supposed to spend the rest of the day doing extensive videos business planning and with the week that i've had already i think i'm gonna go home and kind of take it easy i wanted to share with i wanted to end this by sharing about uh what we did for halloween thank you to those of you who reached out to to give me some ideas for what i could do to make this even better for my girls because we trick-or-treating was canceled uh in ottawa uh, just because of the COVID situation here. And, uh, we did a scavenger hunt. I reached out to some of their favorite Fortnite content creators and these guys, Roadie Bros and Gearsy, they created videos for me to use that were clues. We made this whole story that daddy got, um, taken by zombies. And, uh, but then daddy, uh, <laughs> they could see him in the house so it didn't work out all that well and they did not believe that my uh, spaghetti was worms or that my peeled grapes were eyeballs but they had a lot of fun And we ended, uh, at the end, uh, we ended down by the creek and it was dark and I had all these really loud Halloween um, music playing and and sounds playing and we thought it was going to be, I was worried it was going to be too scary and then daddy comes into the the creek with the trees and he's making these zombie noises and I'm all worried that my youngest, who's eight, is going to be too scared and she says, oh, hi, daddy. (laughs) So they weren't scared at all. So we went into our house uh, afterwards, and they were laughing, and then they disappeared. They were trying to prank us. So I said, listen, they need to be more scared than this. And I cranked up the Halloween noises inside the house, and Daddy and I both made zombie noises and went to attack the girls. Well, we didn't realize that my youngest, uh, when I cranked the noise, was under the bed sobbing. <laughs> because she was terrified and here I am thinking it wasn't scary enough and so I just scarred her for life so she made me promise that I would never ever do anything ever like this again and then an hour later she said but if you do maybe just don't make it so scary (laughs) oh I don't know if uh, if that helped anybody to hear that story it it, you know having uh, children during this pandemic is challenging so we're trying to do all we can to just give them happy memories in this time uh, despite all of the the challenges that we're going through. Um, I really am thinking of those of you who are in the U.S. Uh, I, I hope that everything goes okay with today. I hope that you get some answers soon and that this um, whoever wins is not drawn out for weeks and weeks and weeks because... Uh, it's a very stressful time for so many. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, I really enjoyed recording it. I'm really, really looking forward to uh, digging into more about how to understand whether a a searcher's needs are met um, and uh, how to improve websites so that we can be the one that Google chooses to say, yes, this website is our answer. Um, I wish you the best of luck and uh, good luck with your rankings.